Welcome. It's the Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. It is episode 39, Monday, February 20th. It's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, insight, and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Blaine Disrude is a research analyst. Welcome. Hi, Danny. Jason Cooper, research analyst. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. What uh, do we got going this week, guys? Well, it's a bit of a short week, so happy President's Day to all of our listeners. The markets are not open today, but we do have a lot of news coming out. So PMI Composite will get insight into manufacturing and services for February. We'll also have the Kansas City Fed Manufacturing Index. The FOMC Minutes, which the market is eager to digest and figure out what exactly the uh, the Fed governors are talking about in inside their meetings. Blaine right now is reading and the Fed, so obviously he is also very interested in their inner workings. Yeah, they don't need those meetings. <laughs> and then we have uh, existing and new home sales. The University of Michigan Consumer Survey will get insight into how in higher interest rates and inflation are impacting the consumer. And then lastly, just personal consumption and personal income. Yeah, and the, the new home sales and existing home sales is probably going to be relatively strong because you still had lower interest rates going through January and into February. Really, the last like two weeks, we've just seen that yield curve move as much as it did. And we'll talk about that. That one's probably going to surprise a little bit. So getting into strengths, the economy and the inflation just keep coming in strong. The economic data coming in from the Fed's expectations is GDP is going to be at 2.5 for the first quarter. We're starting to see, and we've seen a few weak spots here and there, but generally the data has been strong. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. been surprising people. The I mean, the employment print at over 500,000, that's I think one to hang our hats on that everyone was just kind of surprised by. It's just one of the largest prints we've seen in history. I mean, it's just, it was blowout number compared to what expectations were. So that in and of itself was very surprising. Retail sales continue to be strong. The consumers continue to spend. We are seeing, and we've talked about this credit expansion. So consumers are taking on some, some debt to finance these expenses that they're having, but overall the consumer's still spending. What was that overall debt number? It's like $13.9 trillion in, in debt that, that American consumers hold. Much of that is mortgages, but also credit card defaults starting to tick up a little bit. Same thing with auto loans. Oh, auto yeah. loans are, real, are really starting to become a little bit of a cause for concern. You're having the monthly payment for a car about around $1,000, which... You, you look at that compared to what a mortgage is, it's, you know, it's comparable. So repos there are cause for concern going forward. And, and you see this data inflecting higher, but it's inflecting higher off of a very low base. So even non-revolving consumer credit, it's moving upwards. But if you put that relative to GDP, it's historically still kind of muted. So there is room for the consumer to actually take on more debt relative to the size of the economy. And that gets at the liquidity situation, right? You had the Fed and government pump as much money into the system as they did. So consumers cleaned up their balance sheets, actually. Like that was surprising. Instead of just going out and spending to a degree, I think because they couldn't, you know, with <laughs> the lockdowns. But that's a cause for concern going forward is, you know, how much liquidity is still in the system and does that bring back inflation, which we've seen, well, not necessarily like full-blown inflation coming back, but it's been a challenge to to get that inflation well, down. I mean, demand is strong. You you touched on the retail sales, but the month-over-month -month increase was 3% versus a 1.7% expectation. You know, you're seeing food service and drinking place, motor vehicle and parts dealers 
furniture stores, those are those are kind of leading the area, but it's just broad-based strength because you've no category saw a decline. And then year over year retail sales, they they increased at six point four percent. Yeah. So overall strong economy still. Um nobody saw this coming too, really, besides for Visa. If you were on the Visa conference call, they they highlighted how uh dollar spend and number of ca- transactions declined in November and December, and then they said, Well, you know, we're still not modeling a recession because January looks really strong. And all the analysts on that call were kind of like, What are you talking about? The trend was poor. But they have the data right in front of them. So you know, if you have the opportunity to pay pay attention to Visa and what they're saying, you can get some really good insights. And the last retail number we saw, I believe, was from January, and it was it was up. Exactly. Visa and Bank of America usually put together really good quarterly calls with insights into where the U.S. consumer is at. It's uh, really insightful to listen in and see what they're seeing. And then all that strength is just manifesting in demand, so higher higher demand for longer, higher inflation for longer. PPI came in at 6% year-over-year versus 5.4% expectations. CPI came in at 6.4% versus 6.2% expectations. The trend is still down. It's just the, the level of inflation isn't getting to where the Fed thought it would get. In the market too, right? Like the market's mispricing, and this will, will segue right into weaknesses. The inflation is coming down, but the market was anticipating almost like a straight line down towards our two percent target of inflation and that's just not the case it's market and the economy move not in a straight line and where we saw that this last month where inflation came down but it didn't come down as much as expected and surprised on the upside and everyone had to readjust and reprice where they had expected rates to go um we've been talking about higher for longer on the podcast and in our committee meetings and that print more or less just proved that we were in essence right there so pat on our own backs <laughs> just to, to highlight to our listeners you have these structural drivers of inflation being higher for longer so we talk about globalization to near shoring or friend shoring aging demographics so you have more consumption without people in the labor force to produce you have lack of investment in in natural resources over the last decade and then as a near-term catalyst, the the China reopening and just looking looking at uh, f- the futures market today, copper's back to four seventeen as China injects stimulus into their economy. So a lot of structural pieces there that are just built into building and keeping inflation up, and that's been part of our modeling as far as where we think inflation will come down to. There's just a lot of things in there that are keeping that floor on inflation from from really coming down as fast as people were expecting. And as a result, you're seeing, you know, interest rates higher for longer and Blaine, what are you seeing with spreads? Yeah, we entered the year with spreads coming down and they were collapsing if you will, and that's good for credit. And when we talk about spreads, we're talking about what yield you get on top of treasuries for specific asset classes. So in fixed income, you have investment grade and then high yield. And the high yield spreads really had come down to pretty close to decade loads, especially below average. And with the anticipation that we might head towards a recession, given what the yield curve is showing us with the inversion, it just it wasn't adding up. So we've talked about improving the credit and the fixed income and then working back into that. And finally, this past few weeks, we saw spreads starting to widen, um, which we see and should see continue over the next several months. Turning over to 
Powell's messaging then, I guess in an area of weakness, he had that opportunity during the last meeting to draw a more hawkish tone and and keep expectations grounded. Instead, he kind of left expectations more open-ended and, and the markets took that as dovish, but turning like to the weaker area, kind of recently what we saw over the last week, you had Bullard and Loretta Mester, who are on the board of governors, come out and say, hey, we need a 50 basis point hike instead of 25. Yeah. So real weakness is like poor messaging, right? Like Powell's had his opportunity to kind of poo-poo the markets and say, hey, this isn't right. You guys are pricing in, not what we're saying. And he's kind of left that door open uh, multiple times, especially with the financial conditions question that he just did not answer that one time. They're, they're just from a forward guidance perspective because they use it as a tool they're using it so ineffectively i mean you would expect them like the old chinese proverb to cross the stream feeling for the stones instead it's like they just kind of jump from stone to stone hoping that they have something to support themselves yeah and what's sad is they have so much power you know like what they're what they're messaging and what they're doing with the the market and the interest rates drives what happens in the markets because everything gets discounted back to that risk-free rate so when they leave things open-ended or don't necessarily answer a question in a way that probably should be answered it leaves the market guessing and we saw that with what happened with interest rates the last few weeks a massive change in in outlook there and then another area of weakness the leading economic indicator week once again on friday came in at what was it negative 0.3 percent it was better than the previous month, but the conference board still expects high inflation, rising inflation, and contracting consumer spending to tip the economy in, into recession in the in 2023. Yeah, so if you're following the leading economic indicators and the yield curve, they're still signaling we should be heading towards a recession. This is like the seventh consecutive month or tenth consecutive tenth, tenth consecutive month yeah. of negative LEI. So yeah, which is always. With that, with the yield curve, has always led to a recession. So uh, we're still on that path towards a potential recession. There were signs of hope for the housing market. Lumber rallied from under 400 to 500. You had the 30-year mortgage rate trending down to from 744 to almost 6%. And with interest rates moving higher, you've got the 30-year mortgage back to almost 7%. And, and lumber collapsed once again from 500 to, I think, 388 last time I checked. Yeah, and that's what's going to be really interesting to see what the the housing numbers come in this week because that will more or less reflect as rates were coming down and then going into the next month. As rates came back, did consumers continue to go into housing and buy new houses or build new houses or did they kind of pull off? Yeah, um, so that'll be interesting. So that watch. January number could be really strong. You might have had a lot of consumers sitting on the sidelines saying, hey, when we get that opportunity, when rates drop, we're going to commit to purchase pull forward a bunch of demand now that they're rising higher what's going to happen in the housing market on a go forward basis i mean right. lumber's kind of saying that we'll see it weaken yeah agreed as far as opportunities go we're still defensive uh, i know trevor talked about that last week we want to kind of continue on that theme with healthcare stocks looking at legacy pharma ken talked about that and getting those cash flows from those companies that are actually happening right now instead of piling into let's just say long duration type companies that don't have positive cash flows right now. And then we also have the money markets. We've talked about that quite a bit, but if you're getting four and a half percent on a money market and you can sit in cash, I mean, 
Morgan Stanley just came out last week and essentially said that their risk-adjusted return outlook on cash versus global equities is higher right now. So their their anticipation for equities is lower, but you can go and get compensated to more or less sit on the sidelines. Yep, paid to wait. And actually turning turning back to healthcare, one area in the longer duration space that is interesting are some of the names that have been beneficiaries of COVID. So in 2022, you actually saw stronger sales for COVID diagnostics and treatments than you did in 2021. And as a result, a lot of those companies face earnings growth hurdles in 2023. But as we move through the year, a lot of that headwind kind of rolls off and you'll see them return to growth in 2024. So now's kind of the time to roll up your sleeves and start looking for some of those names. And that's a really good point. You know, we we talk about the value play a lot, but there's going to be this time in, a, in, a, in the near future, in the future where opportunities really do exist in that growth area. Uh, and we're keeping our eyes out for that. And that's a good point that you bring up. And, and turning to that, we were on the applied materials call last week and management indicated that the area where they're seeing strength, so their customers buy semi-equipment manufacturing capabilities, despite a broadly softer market or like the internet of things, communication, auto, power, and sensors markets. So you're still seeing very strong growth there despite broader weakness. So when Blaine talks about looking for areas of maybe structural growth, that's kind of another signal, hey, maybe you should start looking at these areas. And if there is a sell-off in growth, those are those are areas to, you know, wait, wait for a perfect pitch and take a swing. As you wait, let's get into our threats here. <laughs> uh, opportunity costs, right? We got rates higher for longer. So again, you can get compensated in a money market while you wait as you're looking for those opportunities. But those rates being as high as they are suggests that market valuations are stretched. Once again, we had a strong January and into February and valuations when they they had started to look attractive and we talked about that with international markets and so forth but with this recent rally that we had those valuations have started to become extended again especially given what we saw with inflation and the expectations that rates should go higher right so valuations look somewhat stretched if you will and you had a lot of these high yield equities refi their debt during the covid pandemic and high yield debt it tends to be shorter duration so a lot of those names in the next couple of years they're going to have to refi their debt at relatively onerous terms and you know on the equity side of things when we're looking at companies we start with a balance sheet first and say hey what risk do they face from a refi perspective are they going to capture market share in a prospective recession or are they going to be on the balls of their feet kind of waiting for the the capital markets to shore them up yeah and the, that cost of capital is going to be a real expense it you didn't have that before over the last decade you could kind of go out and get debt if you wanted it and get it for relatively cheap and now if you're a company that doesn't have investment grade rating and you want to go get debt you're paying close to eight nine percent on your interest which is huge when compared to a couple of years ago and it was three four five percent i mean that's a huge increase in cost for a company that isn't a wasn't anticipating that or didn't have that model into, you know, future cash flows. Yeah. And you know, you have companies with billions of dollars in debt. So 1 billion at 3% is 30 million, 1 billion at 9% is 90 million. Yeah. Well, that's coming out of earnings. Yeah. And if you're running a company with tight margins that your income just more or less evaporated. 
I guess another area we would consider a threat, just looking at the senior loan officer survey, credit isn't being extended into the system. So we have a chart that highlights, sorry for all the paper noises, the net percentage of domestic banks tightening standards for commercial and industrial loans to large and middle market firms. You know, it's at the tightest conditions you've seen since 2000, 2008, 2020. Credit credit lubricates the gears of capitalistic society. And when you have banks pull back lending, you have an inability of corporations to make investment that propels the country forward. So that's something we need to watch carefully. Yeah, banks are tightening up companies are going to start having issues when they need to go get financing. So major threat possibility there. Let's wrap with our headlines, guys. Headline strength? The economy and then inflation. Headline weakness? Market mispricing inflation coming down. Headline opportunity? Still pays to be defensive. And our headline threat? Opportunity cost. It's the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, episode 39. If you know somebody that would appreciate this, make sure you tell them about it. Blaine Disroot, research analyst. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. And Jason Cooper, research analyst. Thank you. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.